Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Today's guest is Deanne Alford. Welcome, Deanne. Hi. I am so glad you're here with me today. Deanne is a journalist whose articles tell the adventures of believers around the world. From the badlands of South Dakota to the islands of the South Pacific, Deanne's stories bring awareness and inspiration to people around the world. She's traveled to dangerous places like Pakistan, Gaza, Nigeria, and Colombia in search of stories of ordinary humans doing extraordinary good in the face of death and tragedy. In addition to Circle of Hope and Village of Bridges, her latest book, Victorious, The Impossible Path to Peace, tells the story of the miraculous life and work of Russell Stendhal, who was instrumental in brokering peace between warring political enemies, as well as breaking down barriers between Catholic and Protestant churches in the country of Colombia. Columbia has recently been in the news. I'm hoping Deanne will bring us up to date on all of that and tell us more about her work on our show today. Deanne, I see you as adventurous, passionate, courageous, grateful, and kind. How do you see yourself? Oh, my goodness. I uh, remember growing up in the hood. It was now it was uh, today. It's the poor zip code in the state of Louisiana. And I wanted to get out. But before I knew I was poor, I remember in second grade learning about other cultures. And the first culture I studied with the second grade class was Hawaii, which, of course, it's part of the United States, but it it is distinctly its own culture. And I remember telling my second grade teacher, I'll say I want to go. And she said, like you tell a second grader in your class, I'll save my money and we'll go. And, but I was serious and that <laughs> I've, I've learned that's not a typical second grader response. Uh, it contrast my son, James, never wanted to go anywhere. And that's kind of the case today, even he's 21 and he doesn't, travel's not on his radar, but I was raised by a single mom with no support or care or attention for my father. So I ended up an angry mess because I knew he could help me and he refused. And, and so the older I got, the angrier I got. And, um, I wanted to earn money to be able to pay my way and mama's way off of DuPont Street. I was going to make it happen. And I would be rich and important like Scarlett O'Hara vowed at the (laughs) end of, I would never be hungry again. Of course, we were never actually hungry. Uh, God always protected us, even though my mother knew the Lord, but I didn't at the time. And, uh, but what's interesting is I pretty much ended in a, in contrast to the adventurous that, that you see me as, I pretty much ended up as a housewife and stayed on mom, one-off reporting trips to these places. And uh, I remember one day in 2007 when I was riding, I was working on Village of Bridges. And uh, I, it just seemed futile. And um, I looked at, it was very different from what I had imagined, writing and I knew I was called to write novels or books anyway. And I yelled at God one day. I just threw, I just got away from the computer. I yelled at God, God, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? And I heard this still small voice and um, he told me, go get your Bible. So I stomp, stomp, stomp into my bedroom. There, I had two Bibles. And, uh, Which Bible? 
who said the red one. Well, the red one was in Spanish. And, uh, and so, oh, that's interesting. And I was, well, now what? And I heard the still small voice, pick up your Bible and open it randomly. Well, I'd always heard that's really not a good thing to do. <laughs> but I was pretty sure that was what I'd heard. So I did open it randomly. And my eyes fell on the top left corner of the page. And the verse said, El Señor me dijo, toma una tabla grande y escribe en ella. Which in English, it was Isaiah 8.1. And the Lord told me, take a big scroll and write on it. So I'm called to write. That was a confirmation of it. My mandate is moving people. Pray, give, go, take action. Listen to God, do what he says. John 2.5 is an important scripture to me as well. It's what Mary told Jesus, told the servants at the wedding Jesus was attending. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. So that's what I do. That is do amazing. It. So where did you learn Spanish? Did you have to look that up or did you know it? Uh, well, that, that's another long story. Uh, it, it all began with a misdirected phone call in April of 1983. And I ended up cutting into a conversation with sisters, one of whom turned out to be the mom of a former classmate. And in, she's, she and her sister, it was her name was Betty and her sister's name was Mary. And it turned out I was the umpteenth person who had cut in on their conversation. And, but unlike the others, instead of hanging up, we ended up talking for an hour. Wow. <laughs> and Remember back when I was telling you about the second grade when the call to travel that I sensed? Well, I was 17. And by this point, I had decided to try a 4 H youth exchange. It was going to be six weeks in the summer of 1983. And so, in that hour, I shared with Betty and Mary this trip I was going on. And Betty commented, that her son, whom I knew, his name was Daryl, Betty had a friend who was from Colombia, South America. And this friend had a friend, a Bogota businessman, who wanted to improve his English and wanted her son, Daryl, to come and help him, tutor him. And Daryl didn't want to leave his girlfriend, but Betty ended up asking me. And so... Next thing I know, and uh, I end up on the 27th of August of 1983 in Bogota, Colombia. Well, I can see how all of those pieces are starting to come together now for the book Victorious. You needed to learn Spanish. You needed to have a sense of adventure. You needed to be obedient to what God was telling you to do. Um, and then you needed to end up in Colombia. So I can see how all these pieces come together. That is amazing. So have you always been so obe obedient? No. Uh, and I can look, though, on the trajectory and see how God used everything. Because when I obeyed God and I went down there, I, I didn't know I was obeying God because I didn't know him. I thought I knew him, but just because you're in a garage doesn't make you a car. I knew right. about God, but I didn't know God. And so when I went to Colombia, it turned out to be a total disaster. And the second day I was there, I felt the breeze of a bullet fly past my head. 
and the shrapnel, the bullet hit a door facing five feet away and the shrapnel hit the mother and the baby, the family I was with. And, and so it went downhill from there and I ended up leaving early. And so back to the part where I was a kid from the hood, I wanted something positive and good to come out of this. And so I had already decided that I was going to go to a university and I was going to postpone the, the start of university to do the trip to Colombia. So I ended up, okay, I, I need a shrink to figure this out, but I can't afford a shrink. I will go and have something positive come out of this. I will study Spanish at Louisiana Tech University. And I took a class, did well, took another class, did well, ended up majoring in Spanish. Well, that's kind of unexpected from, for a girl from the hood of Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can certainly see how that uh, went well for you as God pulled all of these things together. So why a book on Columbia? Well, I didn't intend to research this book, but the Lord had called me to write about the persecuted church. And I spoke Spanish. So I found myself with all these assignments because at the time, the most, the worst country in the world, and, and excuse me, in South America and the Spanish speaking world was Colombia. People were getting killed because of their faith. There was uh, churches extorted, pastors kidnapped, missionaries killed missionaries kidnapped and Open Doors International needed someone to cover this. And uh, before that, I was writing for World Pulse, which was at the time a missions newsletter produced by Wheaton College. And uh, so in the course of this, I did end up way back then, I did end up in Cuba twice, but the information from Cuba was extremely difficult to come by. So I ended up, it was a surveillance state and it made news gathering very difficult, even when you were on the ground in Cuba. And Colombia was dangerous, but uh, I need to, it was dangerous, but I, I wasn't about to go back. I mean, I had told God after I came to faith in Christ in 1987, while in Costa Rica, as a Rotary Scholar, I said, uh, Lord, I don't care what you do with my life. Make me feel better. I give you everything. And sort of the corollary to that was, I will go anywhere for you but Colombia. <laughs> and we all know what so, happens when we tell God we aren't going to do something, right? I did most of the news gathering. It was doable by phone, fax, later email. And I believe your original question was how I ended up writing about Colombia, the book. Okay, Victorious, The Impossible Path to Peace. In, in 2016, Russ recognized that I had done so much reporting and it, from inside and outside Colombia that, uh, and I had met him in 2008, and that I had an important set of experiences that had to do with his ministry, but it had to do with other ministries, prison fellowship, um, uh, other ministries, YWAM, uh, churches, pastors, Wycliffe Bible translators, and I had a set of experiences to share a move of Columbia uh, that told of the move of God among some really bad people in a country that nobody is beating down the door to go to, and missionaries had fled except for him when the violence got really bad. Uh, Ray Rising was kidnapped in 1994, and at that point, Wycliffe decided to pull out of Columbia, and um, 
Russ in 2016 asked me if I would be interested in writing a book. And it was interesting that the reason they did that, I'd given him a copy of my NASCAR book and he read it and he's not interested in NASCAR, but he liked my style about how I, I actually became part of the narrative and my experiences and walking through this and how my story became the NASCAR car story. It was how I ended up interacting with the story itself and how it impacted me. And he liked that. And he thought it was well-suited for telling the story of Columbia. Well, he's an amazing character and we certainly uh, hear more of his story. So I'm hoping that after our break, you're going to tell us more about your, uh, you know, how you met Russ and how his life has impacted yours and how uh, your journey uh, worked together. Uh, Listeners, we're going to take a break right now. We'll be back in just a moment with our guest today, Deanne Alford. Isn't it true what Deanne said about random things coming together to bring us to where we are? I think about that whenever I think about how this podcast got started, the people who help bring it to life each week, and the people like you who keep us going with your words of affirmation and encouragement. If you haven't done so already, please share this podcast with someone you think would like to hear Deanne's story. Give us a good rating and review so other people can find us too. Visit us on Facebook at Kit McCarty, N-I-S, on Twitter at NowIC10, or on Instagram at NowIC.media. You can find quick links to all of those on our website, NIS.media, where you can catch up on shows and blogs you may have missed, or sign up for our weekly newsletter. Last week, Jody Nisnik host of the So Much More podcast, gave us some great ideas for making space for God and starting the new year right. Next week, we'll hear from our friend Amy Opperly, who will make you laugh right out loud and will extend a special invitation to women in the Dallas area. Be sure to subscribe and you'll never miss another episode of Now I See. Now, back to our show. And we are back from the break with our guest, Deanne Alford. So, Deanne, we were talking about the book, Victorious, and I'd like to know how you were impacted by the research that you did as you were writing this book. If God tells you to do something, and I say this a lot, and I didn't realize that that was such a governing scripture until I reinforced it with you. I... I look at what God has called me to do. People think I'm adventurous. Uh, I don't do things that... I'm not by nature an adventurous person. I had a chance, like, for instance, back in the early 90s to bungee jump because I was writing a story about a local guy who opened a bungee jump business, and I wouldn't do it. I don't ride a bicycle anymore because I don't want to run that risk. I don't ice skate anymore. Again, same thing. But if God is calling me, I mean, if he's calling me to Pakistan, if he's calling me to Gaza, which he's done, Uh, wherever he's calling me, he's calling me to Saudi Arabia, wherever it is, I'm going to do it because I don't want to, how would I like to miss out? I don't want to miss out on what God created me to do. And he'll give me the grace. You look at Russell, he gave Russ the grace 
I, I was never, Brother Andrew was the daring do kind of guy. I'm not, I am not a risk taker, but risk is what the stuff of Hebrews chapter 11 is. Every last person in the hall of faith was a risk tailor, taker. Obeying God entails risk. Do you trust God? And it's, it's a test. And after a test, our lives are tests and he walks us through it. Absolutely. And so, yeah. Absolutely. The safest place to be is in the center of his will. If he's called you to a dangerous place, it's because he's already <laughs> gone before you and behind you and all around you. And that's well, the safest place to be. You'd be crazy that, to be anywhere else. That doesn't mean nothing bad will happen. True. Russ, again, was, true. he's been kidnapped. I mean, he was kidnapped four and a half months. He was held hostage. And so you could look at that and say, well, God didn't keep him safe. Well, he did get through it. And you look at the life of Paul, you look at the life of all the disciples, all but John were martyred. And, but they're safe with the Lord now. Ultimately, this is not our home. Yes. Well, and in Russell's particular circumstance, it's exactly where God needed to be. For one thing, it changed and refined Russell. He's not the same person coming out of this. And his impact as a a believer, as a minister is just, it's so refined. It's so powerful now. Um, And he hears God's voice more clearly. Um, And then it changed the people that were holding him captive. So many of them have have come to faith and are now serving uh, to advance the gospel. And Russell's, the volume of Russell's work, um, Um, would not probably have come except that now he has an urgency about him and a focus about him, a drive about him that was shaped in that, the fire of his captivity. And so um, that was the perfect place and who among us would want to pay that price. And yet look at what investment, you know, God made in him and and the payoff for that investment. Amen. And God is faithful. And Mm -hmm. I can quote Luke 22 verses 31 and 32 And Jesus said, Simon, Simon, uh, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have returned, strengthen your brethren. These experiences that Russell's been through, that I've been through, that each and every one of us that you kid have been through, that each and every one of us go through, this is all to build the kingdom. And we're all going to die. We all are. There's nobody, nobody's gotten out of here alive except Jesus. Okay. And so we're not here to play it safe. And and well, we're not here to play it safe in the things we're called to do Uh, in things like riding a bike. I'm not called to ride a bike. I'm not called to bungee jump. I'm not called to ice skate. I'm not called to mountain climb. I'm called to go where he tells me to go. Mel, and I just love this fiery passion in you because it's taken you some great places. And so that was one of the ways that you were impacted by that is is seeing uh, passion of people who are serving around the world. And it certainly has fueled your ministry as you continue to do that. Um, how are you hoping that readers will respond to the things that you're writing about? And not just Russell, this book about Russell and Victorious, but about the other articles that you're producing uh, weekly content. Russ is an example of how should we then live? He's not trying to play it safe. Prudent, yes. For example, when he learned Romagna was coming for peace talks, he was ready to leave because the guy had tried to kill him for 30 years. And the chapter in Victorious details that meeting. 
So now Russell's trying to get 3 million Bibles into Venezuela. And that's where since the mid 1990s, there has been virtually no printing or importing of Bibles. So the book, my book speaks beyond Colombia to the world. If peace can come through, if peace can through the cross can happen in this land that's synonymous with criminals, death, war, drugs, narco-trafficking, mafia, guerrillas, paramilitaries, it can happen anywhere, period, anywhere. Yeah, There's no place amazing. that Jesus cannot go. Amen. Um, so tell us a little bit about that meeting with you and Romania and Russell and, and the other parties. I wasn't there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't with, no, it was. Uh, I thought I was, saw pictures of you at a press conference with them. No? At a press conference. No, that okay. picture was of me at a lunch. That was oh, the opening okay. chapter of of victorious i had lunch and okay. we're sort of across a table because that's the way the waiters had arranged the tables and uh, it's also on the back cover of what's this picture yeah. here right? okay yeah sure. it looks kind of like a press conference but no i was talking to ivan marquez and santrich and these are two of the four that are the top four of the former farks that uh, are considered the and i've i never conversed with el paisa i was I, I was just sort of stunned that he was, I was there with him and I've got pictures of him and one picture. I was terrified. In fact, he asked me to delete a picture where he was with somebody in Havana that didn't want word to get out. So if he tells you to delete a picture, you delete it. I have no idea who he's talking to, but I honored that. <laughs> and uh, that was the only, it was, so I took two pictures. I kept one. Wow. It was him taking a picture of his girlfriend. Wow. That's crazy. No, it was his <laughs> girlfriend taking a picture of him. But anyway. I would have been, I would have been terrified too. Uh, uh, but you have, you have interviewed dignitaries, including uh, former President Bush and, uh, and many people. So <laughs> you, you run in a pretty elite crowd. And it's amazing uh, the, the access that God has granted you because you've been faithful to his call and because there's a story to tell. I, I don't like doing that. That is not my nature. I'm not a risk taker, but again, it was, it fell in my lap to do yeah, it. Sure. I, concerning George W. Bush, I, I really, I decided right then and there, I did not inter like interviewing politicians. It, I just, I was, I felt in over my head. You can imagine what it was like to be around a bunch of gorillas. <laughs> it was just unbelievable, but, uh, it was interesting because I, again, look at myself as a stay-at-home mom, and I have a journalism degree and a lot of really interesting one-off experiences, but again, I, I look at myself, and I came out of the hood, which, interestingly enough, was training for this place. For being but, rough, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was out there, but um, if I had to, if I had the choice to make, I'd, I wouldn't interview people like this. I would interview, uh, it would not be the no, I, I just feel sort of in over my head, if you will. But it's... That's where the good stuff happens, though. When you respond in faith to things that are beyond your reach, and then you see God come through, that's where the good stuff happens. If you thought you could do it, you'd rely on your own strength, and that's, that's not right. where the power is. That's um, and exactly. so the fact that God uses the most unlikely people in the most unlikely circumstances to accomplish the most unlikely things. And that's been the that's been the uh, course of your work, the, the body of your work, is that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Um, so when, you, uh, when our readers get 
get this book and it's available on Amazon and where else? It's available on uh, Barnes and by a Barnes and Noble okay. and Apple okay. and it's on Kindle. The hard copy is on Amazon. Okay. And so it's on, uh, it's on ebook platforms. That's a big part of the dissemination. And, uh, well, I was lucky to get a hard copy handed to me by some mutual friends and it's been a joy to read. So what are you hoping that people will uh, do in response to reading this book? What do you want them to see? everybody's got a different circumstance. Not everybody's going to be called to talk to the FARC or George W. Bush or whatever God's telling you to do, uh, do it. Uh, I, I remember uh, if peace through the cross can happen in one of the world's darkest places, it can happen anywhere. So if God has called you to somewhere again, I'd, I have to say, may your response be what Mary's was in the, in the second chapter of John, there is no one like Jesus and you can trust. And he died to save me. He died to give me life. And I don't want to miss my destiny by holding back. Good. Matthew 16, 25 says he who wants to save his life will lose it. And those who lose their life for his sake will find it. And I do not want to miss out on what he created me to do. And in the course of interviewing, I was working on Victorious and I was exploring. It was for a a different book. It was about a nice, well, it was about Albert. It was going to be about Albert and faith healing. And then the Lord just moved me to instead include Albert in the victorious book. But in the course of this, I met a Muslim background believer who, his name is Samid, and he came to Christ. Uh, he was an imam of a mosque, and he had heard about Jesus through an Assemblies of God university ministry called Chi Alpha. And the Lord started working in his heart. And one day he was, he was in a terrible violence and got beaten. And he was uh, dying in a hospital room. And he said, um, he prayed to Jesus to heal him. He was not expected to live. And he was in his hospital room and uh, in the United States. And Jesus appeared in bright light in his hospital room. And healed him. And two months later, he gave his life to Christ. And Samid's comment to me was, I have noticed that here, he's from, he's from a, abroad, from another country. Uh, I have noticed that here, uh, I've noticed that here obedience is optional. Yes. But uh, for him, obedience is life. My dad, my spiritual dad, John Huffman, he was a missionary in Costa Rica. He says that every Christian at all times must be ready to do three things, preach, pray, and die. So make up your mind ahead of time what to do when you're confronted, especially with the last option. You make your mind up ahead of time. Well, that seems to be the theme that uh, recurs through all of your stories, whether or not you say it. That those are the people you're interviewing are the people who are prepared to pay it all, to pay the highest price. And it's so great to be able to read those stories. They're so encouraging and inspiring. And I believe that uh, in these difficult days, God's calling his people to do exactly that. And we, as American believers, would be wise to do it. We're seeing Christians all around the world doing it every single day. Amen. So... Um, as, as we uh, get ready to close out our show, is there anything that you'd like our listeners to see more clear clearly? Jesus is worth everything. He's the pearl of great price. What's he calling you to do? It will be something you won't be able to do without him. Now, it may not, probably won't be what I've done because I've 
it's what my calling is, but he's got an individual call for everybody. And it's scary to, to whomever you are. It's scary, whatever it is. God is always asking his people to take a risk. And that's the common thread. Hebrews 11. You, ju- you do it terrified. You just do it. And you trust him. And you have an intimate, deep bond with Jesus. You know him intimately. And even if Job, though he may slay me, yet I, me, I, yet I will trust him. You have to trust him with your very life. Amen. Amen. As we close out the show today, would you pray for people that are in the position of making a, des- a hard decision like mm-hmm. that, a hard decision whether or not to obey? Oh, Father God. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to, to pray. Thank you for this opportunity to walk with you. Lord, you've called each and every one of us to walk in confidence and just believe. Walk in confidence that you do hear us and your hand is upon us and you do have a destiny for each of us. And Lord, you're just calling us to believe. Just believe. You want us to believe your word. You want us to believe your promises. You want us to believe your son. We want, you want us to believe that you are able. You who have called us will do it through us. We are your hands and feet. So Lord, I ask that you would empower each and every listener to hear that voice and to trust Jesus with everything they are and everything they have to trust Jesus, wherever they are in their journey. Lord, take them up to the next level. If they don't know you, Father, just pray a simple prayer, Lord. Lord Jesus, reveal yourself to me. And Father, that you will receive the heartfelt cry of each and every one of these listeners and right where they are just obey mm-hmm. father we take you you're going to take us by the hand and lead us in unimaginable places places of the heart lord places that we can't we can't imagine or think so lord bless this podcast and may it serve to build your kingdom and glorify your name that you be lifted up in jesus name Deanne, thank you for that beautiful prayer. And listeners, if you want to know the secret to how to be victorious, you can do what Deanne just told you to do. Turn your life over to Jesus and and do whatever he tells you to do. Thanks. We'll see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.